In this episode of the Flory Stroke podcast, I'm here today with Michelle Shannon, a PhD student in the stroke theme at the Flory Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health. I'm Tessa Marshall, and this is Scientists of Stroke by Flory Stroke. Welcome to Scientists of Stroke by Flory Stroke, where we discover how researchers at the Flory Institute are working to prevent stroke and reduce the impact of stroke. You can follow us on Twitter at Flory Stroke and find us on Facebook at Flory Stroke. Hi Michelle, thanks for joining us today. Hi Tessa, thanks for having me. So to start, can you tell me a bit about your research? My research is really about discovering the extent to which the physical environment has an impact on people with brain injury specifically stroke. So I'm quite interested in how the spatial layout, how the configuration of ward environments, the number of patient rooms, the size of the windows, the colour, the light exposure, the temperature regulation, all these things which are part of the physical environment and be able to ascertain what the impact is of the physical environment on people. So we know a lot about animal research and how changing the physical environment that these animals are exposed to can influence the responses of the brain at molecular cellular level and also the behaviours that they exhibit after they have had a brain injury or a disease that's been artificially induced. We don't actually have any detail about what is important about the physical environment in which people are cared for when they've had a stroke. So are you going to be looking at acute care or more long-term rehabilitation? I think it's fair to say that at this point I'm looking at all time points after the stroke injury, probably after about two days. Great. And are you recruiting from specific hospitals or...? Um, Well, Melbourne hospitals, metropolitan hospitals, and initially the Austin, I would say, at this stage. So if anybody is interested in being involved, they can approach me when they see the adverts. (laughs) And they may hear their doctors, their neurologists speaking about it in their stroke clinics when they are going back for their review after the discharge from hospital for their stroke. So what aspects of the setup of a room are important? We think there may be something that's a little bit more important about certain layouts of the room in terms of how it influences uh, the other people that come to spend time with the patient after stroke and we think there may be something important in how the person with stroke connects with other people and this is something we know from the animal research because we know in research related to enriched environments, for example, that it seems to be something about not just the physical activity that these animals are exposed to early after their stroke injury, but also the cognitive content of the environment and the social exploration. So having connections with other animals seems to be important. And as we all know, in hospitals in the last 20, 30 years, the focus very much so is on keeping people apart from each other because there's a very strong evidence borne out by some research supporting rooms that favour isolation for infection control, for example. But the situation might be a little bit different when you're looking at people who've had a brain injury. So when you say enrichment, are you talking about increased cognitive stimulation? Enrichment is really talking about giving people or animals 
more opportunities or more options that's non-forced and favors exploration. So that's a bit different to sticking people on a treadmill and putting them in a harness and ensuring that they're actually doing it. So this is sort of a forced nature to that. But there are other people, particularly from the architecture and the interior design and the environmental psychology viewpoint. They're looking at things like the natural world and affinity with an evolutionary model which favours animals being exposed to wild savanna landscapes, if you can imagine that, where they have access to enough food and water and grasslands for security. So that would support the single patient room argument because you feel more a sense of control, but that wouldn't really correspond with an enriched environment. So it might make you feel more comfortable and safe, but it might make you more passive or sleepy, which may not be beneficial, is one argument. So I think we've talked in a few other podcast episodes about stroke environments and how you want to motivate stroke patients, particularly with rehabilitation, so that it's easier for them to complete their exercises and participate in rehabilitation. Is that something that you're trying to achieve with this? I think what I'm looking at is probably a bit more broad than just looking at um, giving patients just more opportunity for physical and social activity. This may be an opportunity for stroke patients themselves to have a contribution to this research where they're able to say they might wish to have a design or a layout of of an environment that allows them to have a bit more control so that there will be times that they can actually control the environment for refuge and solitude and other times they have opportunities for enrichment and that might be at the end of the day it might be in the night time it may be whenever because we know when we have used behavioral mapping records to track patients that people who are in rehabilitation units seem to be more active in the morning times and then there's a whole swathe of the 24 hours where they're basically doing nothing so I'm hoping that my research will be able to contribute to some change-making aspect to this, where it may be around saying, yes, physical and social activity is probably important, but there are other aspects of the design of the physical environment for people who've had stroke injury that is a bit about them controlling their environment so that there are places and spaces that they have options to go for solitude and refuge and safety and quiet time. and other times or other places where they need to go and maybe under their own initiative interact with the environment, interact with other people. So you were saying that there are aspects of the room that aren't necessarily about motivation or social interactions. That's right. Um, what, could you give me some examples? of what uh, So we don't have a huge amount of examples in a stroke environment but what we do know is from other environments dedicated to for example cancer care and in the hospice movement Last year, actually, I had the chance to go over to an architectural design conference in health in Denmark. They took us out to some examples of what they fund and what they prioritize for their patients. And the design, for example, of this community is like an outpatient community centre, but it's designed like a home where you're met not by an entranceway, but you're met with a kitchen. (laughs) So it's a very homely environment and it was designed by people with cancer themselves. The, the cancer survivors actually asked to have a staircase inserted because they wanted to be able to go upstairs because they wanted to use that as a form of acknowledging their success getting through their cancer treatment. 
And on the other side of the kitchen, they had an outdoor area. So it was basically like a an atrium surrounded by glass with natural greenery and small furnishing groupings. And upstairs, so the corridors aren't just uniform corridors blocked in. They have a side of windows that are just depicted as shards and they look down into the garden type atrium below with little nooks for sitting. So a person could sit there, read a book, be away from people, be in the corridor, so still have a connection to other people and to the outside. So I think something like that is quite novel. And the other example from from that trip to Denmark was a garden where uh, people who have had post-traumatic stress disorder or other issues with mental health go to. It's prescribed as a treatment. They're immersed in this gardening experience. It's very holistic. There are lots of little spaces that they can go to to either be by themselves or to gently become capable of interacting with other people and they work with plants and there's sort of a horticultural element as well so so these are sort of my influences I would say they sound like amazing initiatives and mm-hmm. yes quite beautiful spaces yes 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 I think I think we need to be a little bit more creative but scientific at the same time because uh, we know from some work that's been done by Jenny Bernhardt and others is that a lot of studies are showing that people are essentially very inactive and very alone when you measure people's activity. And also rehabilitation environments are sometimes boring. And so we probably need to make it a little bit more challenging, a little bit more interesting, but obviously be aware of what people can tolerate. Thank you, Michelle, for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Tessa. Thanks for joining our conversation with Michelle Shannon about stroke spaces and architecture. I'm your host, Tessa Marshall. To hear more about Michelle's work and about other stroke research at the Flory, check out our other episodes of Podbean. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Flory Stroke.